0: Um, so what's up guys? Um, so, so I had that, that macaroni virus like a month ago. (laughs) And let me tell you something about the worst part of the, the roner for me was just not being able to taste food. (laughs) So, so like, I don't know, I, I live for, I live by food, but I also live for food. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, I ate this cheeseburger from, uh, Dairy Queen. And then Zach, I told Zach I was sick and he came over and brought me, Orange juice. And I could taste the cheeseburger, and Zach brought me the orange juice, and he said, Do you think you got the virus? I said, No, bro, I don't think so. He said, Take a drink of that orange juice. And I tasted it, and I literally couldn't (laughs) taste anything. (laughs) And he said, Yeah, you've got a week. (laughs) So, Chrissy brought, she made me cookies, and I couldn't even taste them. Thank you, Chrissy. (laughs) But I I think I'm over it, other than my current fever, and my sore throat, and my (laughs) lack to taste. I think I'm getting over it, so. If, if you'd like to be greeted with a holy kiss after this, we can be, <laughs> we can be known for sharing the gospel and sharing the virus. Um, but during that time, it was a super special time for me because I just got to spend two weeks with the Lord, um, and that was super special. It, it kind of felt like I went to a conference when it was done, <laughs> just because I got to spend all that time intimately with the Lord. Um, and during that time, that two weeks, I, I had a lot of time to think and, and pray about the well, and I can say with confidence that through prayerful consideration, uh, I finally figured you guys out, man. <laughs> and, and let me tell you what your problem is. Let me tell you what your problem is, Cody. <laughs> you just come to the well to use us. That's it. You come to the well to use us. But it's okay because we use you guys too. It's a great relationship. You come to the well for whatever selfish, de- selfish desire that you have, to make your parents happy, to gain friends, that that boy or girl that you think about more than Jesus. Free candy bars at the welcome desk. That's that's why I come here. Those are free, right? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I I tithe so. <laughs> and the the leaders come here so that you can have a true experience with the God of the universe, so that you can meet God face to face. And realize that, that all your worldly carnal endeavors are vain. And you can fall in love with the word of God and the God of the word. And then most importantly, you can see your need for lost people and start having a fruitful life of winning souls to Jesus Christ. So you come for whatever selfish reason, we, we come for a selfish reason too. So, so the cat's out of the bag. The joke's on you. And, and if God's plan works according to to plan, then you came here to catch a girlfriend, and hopefully you catch a fire for the gospel. <laughs> That's the design of God's word in your life, and, and it shouldn't return void. But if I was quite honest with you guys, a lot of the times it seems like God's word does return void. And the majority of the people I see come through the doors of the well, they they come in here with a with a facade, and they come here come in here with a mask, and it seems like. They're playing a front that everything is okay in their life and they're saved and they're coming to church. But in reality, internally, in in the places that only you and God can see, those people are miserable. And, And you're not living the life that God has for you, that God has intended for you. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're certainly not fruitful at winning souls. You're depressed, you're anxious, you're faithless all the time. And although you wouldn't admit it, you know, although you are, are bought with the blood of the lamb, it still feels like you're, you're empty and there's something missing. Maybe that, maybe that sounds about right. Maybe that's hitting a chord with you. So I asked myself while I was in quarantine, Lord, what, what gives? You know, what does the well need to learn? And God gave me the answer this week. The well doesn't know how to die. That's the answer. We don't know how to die. As a corporate group, we need to learn how to die. We're willing to come to the cross for all of Christ's benefits, but we're not willing to get on the cross for the cause of Christ. We're mere believers in Jesus Christ, and we're, we're not true disciples. Okay, D- Discipleship isn't, uh, you know, God didn't write in the Bible, man, if you go through the 18 lessons of First Baptist Church, you're a disciple. God didn't write that. There, there's a difference between A a mere believer and a true disciple. So so James 2.19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Right? So, do you believe that there's a God? Well, then you and Satan have something in common. (laughs) Doesn't mean you're a disciple. You believe in God when, when your life's a wreck and you need help. We believe in God when we want all the benefits of God. But when it comes down to the discipleship part, the obedience part, the the dying part, when God demands something of your life that you don't want to give up, then we're not so sure about this whole Christianity thing. That's a mere believer. And and then we wonder why our our lives are so fruitless. And and God's not using us for his mission. Well, this is what you have to get. This is what God has pricked my heart with. Until you're willing to die, God's not going to use you. God only uses dead Christians, (laughs) He doesn't use living ones. John 12, 24 through 25 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except. Okay, except is exclusive. That means this is the only way. This is the only way this happens. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. The way that you bear fruit is death. There's no other way. It says accept. That's the only way. Death is is tied to fruit. So the key point that I I want us to see tonight, and I hope that, that you pull away from this message, the thesis of tonight's message is, you'll never be used by God in the magnitude that he promised, until you forsake all the plans you have for yourself, finally die and make Jesus the true Lord of your life. That's what we need to get tonight. That's what I want you guys to consider tonight. Victory over sin comes at a cost. Fruit comes at a cost. And, and to be a true disciple comes at a cost. And that, that cost is death. So, so I want you guys to ask yourself these questions tonight as, as we're looking through... God's word. Are you ready to be liberated from the bondage of sin? Are you ready to be fruitful in your walk with the Lord? Are you ready to make the transition from a mere believer to a true disciple? And finally, are you, are you ready to die? If everyone will please turn in their Bibles to uh, Luke 14. We're going to be in verses 25 through 35. Luke 14, 25 through 35. Our study on the the cost of discipleship will begin here, Luke 14. Remember when you you were in school and you say, if I see the light of your eyes, then I'll know we can go forward. (laughs) I didn't spend much time in school, though. That's the only (laughs) thing I learned. (laughs) All right, you guys ready? And the Bible says, and there went great multitudes with him, talking about Christ, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth um, whether he hath able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its Savior, wherewith shall it be seasoned? He is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. All right, so let's break this thing down like, a, like an enzyme. Point number one. <laughs> That's an Alan Shelby thing. Point number one, the prerequisites of discipleship. The prerequisites of discipleship. The prereqs. The the requirements of discipleship. So this is cool, man. Sometimes the Lord is just so direct. And he just deals with people. The Lord just deals with human beings way differently than human beings deal with human beings. And, And if I was quite honest, I don't think any of you would be friends with Jesus Christ if he was still alive. Okay. I, I don't know if I would be. I, I, hope, I hope I would be. Um, but I don't know if you guys would go to the, the church that Jesus Christ pastored. okay? Because imagine this. Imagine if, imagine if it's your first time at First Baptist Church and there's lead pastor Jesus Christ <laughs> in the hallway. Or, or imagine, if, imagine if Pastor Jeff did this. Okay? And, and you're walking down the hallway. And you know, it's your first time there. And it's before the sermon. And you know, lead pastor Jesus Christ turns around. And he goes, oh, hey, is it, is it your first time here? And I say, yeah, it's, it's my first time here. And he goes, cool, man. Well, if you don't hate your whole family, <laughs> and you don't hate yourself, and you don't forsake everything that goes on in your life, man, you, you can't be a member here. And, and you better consider. You better consider following me. Because if you start building, if you start being a disciple, and then you turn back, well, everyone's going to laugh at you because you're a failure. You sticking around for that new members luncheon afterwards? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I would. I'm like, this guy's a, a jerk. But, but that's the thing, is that God just handles people so much differently than we handle people, and God operates in a different way. God's never, he's never begging people to stick around, he's never chasing anyone. God, God doesn't care about you feeling good, he cares about you getting over your sin, being holy, and starting to glorify him. That's what he cares about. He, and he loves you enough to tell you that you're the problem. Okay, your your poor parents aren't the problem. Your boss isn't the problem. Your your ex-girlfriend's not the problem. Okay, your pastors aren't the problem. You you are the problem. You are the own problem in your life. And and I think that Jesus Christ and maybe this church are the only ones with the with the courage to tell us that. So Jesus Christ shows up on the scene and he says, Hey man, you really want to get over this sin problem in your life? You really want to follow me? You really want to be a disciple? Well, well, I have some things that I want you to do. I have some prerequisites. I have some requirements. And the first thing that he says is, it's letter A, it's lordship. Okay, that's what, that's what God means when he says, if you don't hate your mother, brother, sister, goldfish, golden retriever, if you don't hate all that stuff, then you can't be my disciple. What he's talking about is lordship. Christ says, if, if you want to be a true disciple and have purpose in your life, instead of crying about how worthless you think you are, Jesus says, I have to be your everything. He says, you, you, you can't love your family more than me. You, you can't love that, that cute girl or that handsome guy more than me. You, you can't love the Browns over me. And I love the Browns. It's, it's been a great year. But, but but this is what this is what makes me mad. What makes me mad is is packed out stadiums and empty churches. That's what makes me, you know what makes me mad at church? Is, is Christians that can talk about Baker Mayfield for an hour, but don't talk about the Lord at all. Right. Can you believe that? Can't even quote a scripture, but they know all of Baker Mayfield's statistics. You love the Browns more than you love God. That's wrong. You can't love money over me. You can't love your pride over me. No, nothing can come in front of, the, of God. Nothing can come in front of God if you're going to be a true disciple. If you want to live a fruitful life, it starts with making Christ your all in all and holding nothing back. So, so check out this, this passage in, in Acts chapter 5. This has been good for me. So, uh, yeah, this is right after Pentecost. This is right after. This is when, when Christ is starting the early church. Uh, and it's the disciples. It's the, the apostles at that point. And they're, they're going around and starting a, a church. So this is what it says. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it. She knew about it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias heard these words, fell down, and gave up the ghost. And a great fear came on all them that heard these things. Okay, that's, that's when church was fun, dude. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine that on a Sunday? Like, like, think about, okay, so no one's falling asleep in the pews that day. You know what I'm saying? But, but can you imagine the pastor, the pastor says, hey, church, man, we're going to be true disciples. Like, we're really going to do this thing. We're going to build our church. We're going to send people to Hungary. We're going to send people to Columbus. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have missionary teams. We want you guys to join. And, and the whole church signs up for the missionary teams, and they say, man, we're going to do it, bro. We're going to be disciples. And, and then the next Sunday comes in, and I'll just use Oakley and Ashley as an example. Oakley and Ashley come up, and, and they say, man, we're, we're in, dude, we're in. And the, the plates go across, and they got their $100 for, you know, tithe. And then Oakley says, man, I want that new gym membership, bro, so I'm just going to keep back like 20 bucks. And he puts that 20, bu- and the, you know, the, the plate goes by and he just keeps that 20 bucks in his pocket. And as soon as the plate goes by and he only puts 80 bucks in there, then Troy stands up and he goes, you're a liar. And then, and then Oakley and Ashley die. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy at church? Like sometimes you just got to think like the Bible's real, like these are historic events. You're not going to that pastor's luncheon, brother, <laughs> you know. But, but Christ is trying to make a point to us. If you say with your lips that you want to be a disciple and then you hold something, you hold a part back from the Lord, it's not going to work. You're not going to make it. You can't hold parts back from God. You got to be all in. You can't hold back that 20 bucks for the gym membership. You can't have your sin and be fruitful too. It doesn't work like that. And obviously, it's not all about, it's not even close to being about money. God just wants your whole life. God wants complete control and lordship of your life. So, Luke 9 59 through through 60. And he said unto another, talking about Christ, follow me. But he said, this dude he's talking to, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. So, so you can't, you can't out of one side of your mouth say, uh, Lord, and the other side of your mouth say, me first. Okay, those are, those are contradictory. You can't say, Lord means you got everything. Me first means I got control of everything. Okay, that's a contradiction. If you want to be fruitful in your walk with God, once and for all, he has to be the Lord of your life. He's got to have everything. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a part of you that you know that God's convicting you about right now that you know you need to give up to be a true disciple. It's worth it, man. God is worth it. He's worth being right with. Luke 16, verse, verse 13 it says, no servant can, t- can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, so that's good news. If, if you serve God, you're going to hate your sin. If you serve sin, you're going you're gonna to hate God. Okay, uh, uh, Brett Bartlett, I call him Bert Bartlett, because that's a funny name. Um, but he said, this, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book that's the only way all right so that's the first prerequisite is lordship he has to have every part of your life Um, but the next prerequisite is is death this has come from verse 27 where he says take up your cross your cross and and come after me or you can't be my disciple and really i don't think uh, i don't think at all i know i know that this is the missing link for the well in your personal fruitful success if we can learn to die to fleshly desires and once and for all identify ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, man, we, we have our sin beat and we have the world won. But we have to, we, we have to, we have to learn how to die. We have to learn how to get on the cross. And, and the younger you do it, the better. It's the defining mark of Christ and it's the defining mark of his disciples. So, so I hear people say all the time, man, I, I remember the day... I got saved, right? I remember the day I got saved, M- March 29, 2014. That's the day I got saved. Or, oh, I remember the first time I, I came to the well. Or, I remember when I got baptized. Or, man, I, I remember when I became a member of First Baptist Church. But, but I, never, I never hear people say, I remember the first time I went to the Garden of Gethsemane. I've never heard someone say that. And, and maybe that's because you've never taken the trip. Maybe you've never been to the Garden of Gethsemane. So, so if everyone will, will turn in their Bibles, I want you to see it in, in your actual Bible, the text. It's Matthew 26, uh, verses 36 through, through 46. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. 26, 36, 46. And uh, man, seriously, this, this passage has gripped my life. Um, it's gripped my life a few times, but, but certainly lately it's gripped, gripped my life. So 36 uh, through 46, if I see the white your eyes, I know we're, i was kidding. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father. Man, this is just good. O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and said unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And in in Luke's account, it talks about um, Christ literally sweating drops of blood because he was so uh, stressed out about the decision he had to make. So, So Gethsemane is the place that Jesus went to make the decision to die for the whole world. That was right before he, he's betrayed and, and goes to the cross. And, and let me explain something you, to you that li- literally blows my mind. Okay, so Christ in his humanity, in his, his human flesh form, 100% God, 100% man, in his humanity didn't want to go to the cross. Okay, he, he didn't want to go to the cross. And, and somehow the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one God, but they have three distinct wills. Like they can make their own decisions. And, and they, they can disagree, but they never disagree. And, and they can have different opinions, but they always agree. Because Christ didn't want to go to the cross. He said, if this can pass for me, then let's do it. But not my will, thy will be done. Christ and the Father have a, a different will at, at that point, but he still went. And Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's, he's wigging out. Because he knows he has to make a decision, and, and it's the most difficult decision that was ever made. Okay, so, so Christ knew everything that was going to happen. And, and think about what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, so he has to make the decision, number one, this, this happened at the cross, for a physical beating. Okay, I, again, let's put, let's put ourselves in the Bible, okay, watching this. A physical beating. They, they ridiculed and mocked Christ. We're talking about the, the king of heaven, left his comforts in heaven where he was, was honored and glorified and praised day and night, all the time. Left it came to earth and was ridiculed and mocked. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails. They beat him up. They slammed a crown of thorns on his head. They spit in his face. Okay, so think about this, dude. The the savior of the world, the king of heaven, was anointed with saliva before he goes to the cross. They starved him, they dehydrated him. They make him carry a cross up a hill and he, he can't even carry it all the way. They drove nails through his hands and his feet. They shot dice for his clothes. And then they hang him in the hot sun to to choke on his own fluids while while he bleeds the the most precious substance of all time, the blood of God, for us. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows that's going to happen, and he's making the decision to do it. Eleven of his twelve closest friends reject him, and they're not even there. His mom's watching from a distance. Can't can't even uh, tell it's her own son. She knows it, but his appearance is so messed up. Have you ever been through something that traumatic? No. I, no one no one ever has. And, and Jesus did it willingly for us. And, and that's not even the worst part. Okay, that's, the, that's the, least, the least worst part of that whole thing. Jesus is about to become sin. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. So he became sin. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, so think about that for a second. Think about how painful, okay, you know, whatever, we'll say the average age is 20, 20 years old in here. Okay, so think about how painful it's been to, to deal with the consequences of your sin in your life, okay? And, and you were guilty. You, you committed those sins, and you just had to deal with the consequences of them. Now, now think of, of Christ. He goes to the cross, and he becomes sin. I don't even, listen, I don't even know what that means, bro. Like, what does that mean to become sin? Like, all the, the rape, all the murder, all the lying, all the stealing. Like, like, Christ becomes that. And he takes on the sin of every person from all time in the moment, in one moment of time. <laughs> that's crazy. And he was innocent. He didn't even do it. How do you think that felt, man? That's, that's crazy. But, but that's not even the worst part. The, the worst part is the father turns his back on the son while he's on the cross. So, so think about the, the most special relationship of all time. The, the Father and the Son have been together since eternity past. And, and Christ goes to the cross, and, and the Father turns his face away from him. The eternal unity is broken, because the Father can't have any part with sin. And, and the Son becomes sin. Man, that would be heartbreaking. Can, can, you imagine if, can you imagine if God turned his back on you? How would that feel? That's, the, that's my only hope. My only hope is God. Can you imagine if God turned his back on, on you? Do, okay, do you know that? Do you know that God promised you something that he never promised Jesus Christ? Bec- because, man, this makes me cry every time I talk about it. Because when he's on the cross, he says, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabaknia, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's what Christ says on the cross. And then in the New Testament, he says, Man, if you're a saved believer. That, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So, so, so God the Father promised me something he didn't promise Christ? What? <laughs> and and while, while Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's got to make this decision. He knows it's going to happen. He knows he's going to get beat up. He knows he's going to become sin. He, he knows that, that the Father's going to turn his back on him. You think your stinking temptations are difficult? <laughs> You think it's hard for you to die? You, you think your emotions are hard to handle? You think you feel alone? Man, our, our problems are small in comparison to, to Christ. So he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to make a decision to die. And he says, I, I know it's going to hurt. I know it's going to suck. But it's for the glory of God and it's for saving the world, so I'll do it. And he says these famous words, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Be done. Man, if, if we could only say that during our hour of temptation. Man, God, I, I know I've had a rough week at work. God, I, I, know, I know things aren't going my way right now. I know I'm in a season of waiting. I know it looks like the, the world is crashing down around me. I know I don't think that, that your grace is sufficient for me. I know I've never been able to say no before. Nevertheless, not, not my will, but, but thine be done. And we make the decision to die to ourselves and fulfill the will that God has for us. And, and this is interesting. This is just a few things that I thought was cool about this passage while I'm sitting in quarantine not to be able to taste anything. You know, it says taste and see that the Lord is good. That's corny. And, uh, it, and and this is a couple things I learned. Okay, Jesus asked God, would you take this temptation away from me? And the Father doesn't answer him. Three times he asked him and God doesn't answer Every time the father doesn't, doesn't give him an answer. And Jesus finally takes it on the chin and says, I'll do it, I'll die. Okay, maybe you've asked God for a long time to take away your besetting sin and he hasn't, he hasn't said, yes, I'll take it away. Okay, maybe that's for a reason. God not taking away Christ's cup, the thing that he needed to, to overcome and get over, that's the very thing that drew Christ closer to God in the end. And it's the very thing that gave him the reward of the bride of Christ. And God has a great reward for you if you would get over the temptation in your life. He's got a great reward for you. Maybe we need to stop begging God to take take away our problems and start begging God to, to teach us a way through it. Then and only then are we going to have victory over sin. Then and only then are we going to get closer to God and learn the lessons God has for us. And even beyond that, then and only then are we going to be fruitful to win souls for Christ. And, and we'll talk more about that here in a second. A couple more things. Gethsemane, all perfect timing. I'll tell you what, dude, those, uh, those uh, car warranty places, they'll find you on a desert island. Yeah. I swear they will, dude. Um, OK, so, so this is a cool thing, too. Gethsemane is a table for two. OK, so you see this, this uh, progression where um, Christ is with the disciples. He's with the 12 disciples. And he goes so far, and then he, he takes Peter, and he stops, and, and uh, nine of those disciples, quick math. Stop right there. Well, actually it was eight, because Judas wasn't there. So, there you go. There's, there's some of the disciples. And he goes a little bit further. There's Peter, James, and John. And he says, wait right here. And then he goes a little bit further, and, and it's just literally Christ and the Father. Okay, so, so Gethsemane, uh, the place where you decide to die and, and live for God. Man, listen, the, the church can only take you so far. The people in the well can only take you so far. Your, your best friends can only take you so far. But your decision to once and all die and be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that's between you and God. Amen. That, that's a table for two. And, and Gethsemane is a cup for one. All right, Gethsemane means, uh, it literally means olive press. Okay, so uh, old Hebrew dudes, when they want to make olive oil, like they got this press and it would come down and, you know, there would be olives and it would squeeze it. And literally it would separate the oil. Okay, this is cool. Separate the oil from the flesh of the olive. Okay, It's so where you would only be left with the oil. Okay, and oil is a picture in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. So literally you're going to the place to make a decision where you're separating your flesh from the Spirit. And, and the spirit is the thing that you're always anointed with before you do ministry. So, so man, all the people in here that want to win souls and make disciples and make a difference for God, like I said, you won't start doing that in, until you've learned how to die. You won't be anointed to do ministry until you learn how to die. All right, so that's, that's two of the prerequisites, uh, lordship and death, if you want to be a true disciple. Uh, the third one is, is forsake. If any man forsake not all that he hath, in verse 33, and uh, I'll just make this real quick, and uh, I hope someone needs to hear this, because God gave it to me, so possibly someone needs to hear it. Um, man, forsake, you, usually for this, when you want to make the next step of, of discipleship, means you need to forsake someone in your life, okay? So, so someone in your life is a bad influence with your relationship with the Lord, and in 2 Corinthians six fourteen says, "Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness?" So maybe it's it's an unbeliever who's dragging you down. You need to get rid of them. Galatians three one says, "O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, and crucified among you." Okay, it says, "Who hath bewitched you?" It doesn't say what. It says who. So maybe it's a believer, but they're bringing down your relationship with God. You can't, you can't be a disciple unless you, you get rid of those people. Okay, that was quick. Uh, point number two. We talked about the, the prerequisites, what, it, what it's required to be a disciple. Um, and, and you're going to be put in that decision of a Garden of Gethsemane moment where you need to make a decision. Will I choose my flesh and my temptation? Will I choose the Lord? And, and if you choose the Lord... There is a prize. There is the prize of of discipleship. Or the lack thereof. If you choose not to follow God. There is a, it's not a prize. There's a lump of coal, you know, for that. So the prize of discipleship, and this is coming from verses 28 through 30 in in verse 14. And that's where it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Okay, so so you start this discipleship thing and, and you're building a tower. God says, If if you start the tower and you get halfway through and turn your back, man, it's not a good thing. So so letter A, I want to talk about the lack thereof, the, the lump of coal, the prize that you don't get. And we're calling this a biblical warning. Okay, so so I just want to give you guys a warning. Uh, if you're counting the cost of really giving your life up for the Lord and you start building and you get halfway through and then you turn your back on God, man, it will be devastating. It will devastate your whole life. And, and I just want to share two verses with you guys that um, quite, quite, I don't know about literally, but they scare the crap out of me. Like these are, these verses put the fear of God in my heart, the fear of God in my heart. Okay, so this is Luke eleven twenty four through 26, and it says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. So you clean your life up, you start building the tower, right? Um, he findeth none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out, and when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished then goeth he and taketh him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Isn't that scary, dude? Like, I, I, there's some com- common misconception that like, I don't know if I should say this. There's some com- some common misconception that like, that that uh, believers can't be demon-possessed. I've never read that anywhere in scripture. Okay, it, this right here, if we're just talking about Bible, if we're just talking about stuff I've been reading, this right here says, if you clean yourself up and then you decide to go back out into the world, that spirit's going to come back with seven other spirits and wreck your life. That's, that's what it says. Don't go back to the world. What does the world have for you? Nothing. It's miserable. Second Peter 2, 20-22 says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, and the latter end is worse than them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them a, according to the true proverb. And this, this verse is in Proverbs. The dog is turned again to his own vomit and the sow that she washed in her, I'm sorry, in the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. The the, the end is, is worse than the beginning. And and man, y'all, I know we're, this is uncomfortable maybe. But but listen, dude, why is it that everywhere, including the church, sin is acceptable? People just accept sin and, and don't care about it. Listen, sin, sin literally nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. Sin, sin, okay, sin will destroy your life. The Bible says it will destroy your soul. It'll destroy your mind, your will, your emotions. It'll destroy your relationships. You guys know, okay, maybe I'm the only sinner in here. You guys ever sin and then come back to church and like, Feel like everyone's looking at you, bro? Like, man, I did something wrong. Like, yeah, those people don't know what you did. You're just guilty, bro. And it destroys your relationships. Like, you don't want to spend time with the church. That's satanic. That comes from, from the devil. The wages of sin is death. Death means separation. Sin is devastating. And we play with it like it's a toy. When, when are we just going to call sin, sin for what it is, and say it's sin, and, and just say we're not going to have any part of it? Every area of your life will suffer, and uh, you know, there's a progression of sin. You, you can't have, you can't just dabble in sin, dog. So so this is the progression of sin. Do we have that up there? Okay, so the first thing with, with the progression of sin is you grieve the Spirit, okay? So you're walking with the Lord, and then you commit a sin, and it literally hurts you. Like, you feel it, like, like, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and then you sin, and it hurts, okay? But if you, if you don't repent, and you don't get right with the Lord, then you go to the second thing, and that's you quench the Spirit. So that fire that you have for God, and you want to tell everyone about the Lord, and you want to make a difference for the kingdom, well, it's like you pour a bucket of water on it, and you quench the Spirit. And, and if you keep on in sin, and you don't get out of it, there's a progression, and you sear your conscience with a hot iron. So, so, like, think about when you touch your skin with something hot and you, like, lose your nerve endings. Okay, uh, you guys ever seen Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler? Yeah. That's a funny movie, dude. So, <laughs> you know when he has that thing and, like, smacks him in the foot, but he can't feel his foot? Yeah. Like, he, he's, he's seared his foot with a hot iron, kind of. Well, like, it's still, you don't feel it, but it hurts you. Like, it's still hurting you, and you might not feel the way that it, that it hurts, but it's hurting you. And you can sit, you, you, you go forward, and you still don't get, repent from your sin, and you go to the fourth thing, and it says you're given over to a reprobate mind. Okay, and that means you think that good's evil, and you think evil's good. That's wrong. And, and that word, reprobate mind, we're, we're learning in our counseling class, literally that means mental illness. So, so the, wor- the, world, um, the world identifies certain things as mental illness that I think are just the result of sin. Saul was crazy because, you know, Saul was bipolar because he was in sin. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. That's schizophrenia, okay? Depression is not having the joy of the Lord. That's due to sin. That's the the progression of sin. And then number five, if you don't get your sin right, the Bible says you'll forget that you're even saved. And that that doesn't mean you're not saved. Thank the the Lord for eternal security. But but it says that you'll forget that you're purged from your old sin. One of the saddest verses in the Bible was with Samson. And it's a little bit different. You could, you could lose your salvation in the Old Testament. You can't now that you're a believer. But it says that he, he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. <laughs> I don't ever want to get to that point where I don't know that the Lord's not working in my life. That's terrible. But if you go down the path of sin, this is what will happen to you. So I'm begging you. I'm begging you guys tonight, bro. The world's not worth going back to. If you're going to build the tower, build it to the, to the top, man. Don't, don't give up. Sin will take everything away from you. So so that's the biblical warning. But now I want to talk about the biblical reward. Okay, now we'll talk about some happy stuff. Okay, the biblical reward. And, And we're getting this from John 12, verses 24 through 26. So we already looked at this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Okay, so a couple of biblical lords, and, and this is this is awesome. So we're gonna talk about earthly fruit. Okay, you you finally decide to die and be a disciple and give everything up to the Lord. Man, you get some earthly fruit, and, and the first one is fellowship. Okay, because it says if you don't die, you're gonna be alone. You wanna be alone your whole life? No, not me. Okay, so you get the fellowship, and the church is a prize, bro. Like the church is fantastic. Like I I love our church, man. The the church is the only place where you can have hillbilly redneck John John the Don. You know what I'm talking about big cowboy hat guy being discipled by Moksud, like the blackest <laughs> guy I've ever met, right? And they have the same goals, and they have the same direction, and they love the Lord. They want to see people saved. Like, you're not getting that, uh, whatever, what is it called? The, the Lord is just not prejudiced, bro. It's every kindred tongue and nation. Like, the church is a wonderful place. You have that fellowship with believers. First uh, John 1 3 says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then 2 Corinthians 8:4 says, praying, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. And the greatest relationships I have are people I do ministry with. Because you get to go through really cool stuff with them and see people get saved and their lives transformed and it's just fun, dude. Like, like Wyatt and I led this kid to the Lord on a basketball court one time after we like played basketball. And the dude just wanted to give his life to the Lord. And I don't know, those, those are some of the greatest memories I'll ever have. Um, so, so you get the fellowship of the church. You get true relationships with believers. Uh, the second thing, earthly fruit, is you get the souls of men. Okay, you get souls. And, and there, there is no better life to live than being a soul winner for Christ. Okay, it, it truly is living on the edge of, of life and death. Like you're, you're meeting people that are going to hell, and you get to be a, um, a baby snatcher for Christ, dude. <laughs> like you get to snatch those people and take them into heaven. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Like we have the gospel at the tip of our tongue, and we get to do that, man. That's sweet. So I think about uh, Brock. Brock's got the macaroni virus too. And uh, <laughs> dude, I met Brock, and he was fishing at Tuscora Park, and like the middle of November, it was like freezing. This dude was trying to catch fish. And share the gospel with that dude. His parents think I'm a Jehovah's Witness. So I got to like <laughs> convince them that I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. And, and that dude gets saved. He starts coming to this church. Man, wants to be a missionary, gets discipled. Like, bro, I'll have, when I think about that verse where 1 Thessalonians 2.19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? I think about Brock, dude. Like, like that's my, one of my best friends, bro. And, like, he got saved, and that, that's just really cool. So I think about Zach. Zach, guy, Zach got saved when he was hammered drunk, <laughs> and, and it was pouring rain outside. And, like, go over, and he says, man, the well has something that I don't have, and I want that. And that dude got saved and has become my, my favorite best bald friend that I have, dude. <laughs> um, some of you guys don't know this, but maybe this will hit a chord in, in your heart. Um, but man, our brother PJ, dude, that dude was just, you talk about a redneck, backwards dude that just loved God, bro. I will, I'll forever be grateful for, for PJ. And then uh, this Thursday in New Beginnings, well, last Thursday in New Beginnings, one of my friends, uh, imagine this scene, okay, at a table. There's my friend Damien. He got saved. He's a hood cat. He's like a thug. And then there's his wife, Reggie, which is, she's uh, an incredible one- woman, There's, there's seven kids. They have seven kids. Can you believe that? All that live in the same house. And, and (laughs) Damien's ex-wife comes to the Thanksgiving service at New Beginnings. And she gets saved there, bro. So like Damien, his wife, the seven kids and his ex-wife there and she gets saved. That's a, dude, that's a uh, godly Jerry Springer moment in my book, bro, (laughs) if you know what that means. Like, that's cool. Like the souls of men are so cool. Praise the Lord for that. I don't don't want to live any other life. That's the fruit you get when you die to yourself and become a disciple. You you want to live in misery and forget that you're saved and and sear your conscience? Or do you want to see people get rescued from hell? you got to learn how to die. So Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. If there's someone in here that's not saved, bro, you got to get saved tonight. You get the joy of the Lord. You get all these things when you get saved and and they increase when you die to yourself. And and number 3, um another earthly reward is the fruit of the spirit. You know, and and it says um Galatians 5:22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance. Against such there is no law. So so literally you die to yourself and you start walking in the spirit and and you gain all those things and you don't you're not a grumpy grouch all the time. You know, that's a nice perk to have. So you get in a live life. So that's the earthly fruit of dying. And, and this, is, this is the eternal, yeah, we'll call this the eternal fruit. And, uh, you know, in that, that passage in John 12, this is verse 25, where he says you get to keep your life unto, you get to keep life eternal. So Mark 10:28 through 31 says, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee he 's made the decision to be a disciple to give up everything, not just to go through eighteen lessons but to, to die to himself and Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left houses or brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and childrens and lands with persecutions." And in the world to come, eternal life. But many, are, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Um, so man, I, I don't know if you guys think about, uh, we're probably going a long time, but who cares, dude? There's a virus, and who cares, dude? Let's just learn the Bible. So, so I think about eternity all the time, okay? It's, it's really what consumes my thoughts. I'm just thinking about eternity. And, and I want eternity to be an awesome day. Like, I want to walk into, I want to walk into heaven or be shot up into heaven or whatever, and I want that to be a party. Dude, I don't want to be like, oh man, there's the Lord, like, man, I did all this bad stuff in my life. Like, I want it to be a party. So I, I, I want that to be an awesome day, and the, and the Bible says that you can have an abundant entrance into heaven ministered unto you if you live for the Lord here. And, and some of the rewards that you get are, are these things that are called crowns, and you live for the Lord now. And, and when you're an attorney and you're at the judgment seat of Christ, God gives you these crowns, and then you, you get to take them off of your head and cast them at Jesus' feet for the ultimate expression of worship. Man, you say, Lord, you gave this to me, but I want to give it back to you because you're worthy and, and you're holy and, and you deserve them. I don't. And you get to give them back to him. So, so these are, are the eternal rewards. These are some of the crowns. So the crown of life. Uh, And the crown of life is a really interesting crown because in Revelation 2.10, it's given for people that are martyred, like people that are literally like, yik, for Christ, you know? So you you die for Christ, you get the crown. But in James 1.12, it says that you're given this crown if you endure temptation. It's the same crown, but it's given for two different things because it's the same act. It's the act of death. If you can endure temptation, die to yourself, and you get the crown, or get killed for Christ, whatever, whichever one you want. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, the second one is the crown of righteousness. Okay, this is this is given to anyone that that loves his appearing. And now more than ever, bro, we should we should want Christ to come back, and and get the glory he deserves. Uh, number three is the incorruptible crown. This this is given for for people. Well, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 says people that have temperance, that have balance. I probably won't get this crown. Um, but also people that, that have not fallen away from the faith. Uh, number four, the crown of rejoicing. This is the soul winner's crown. So when you start having fruit for the Lord, you start winning souls to Christ. I mean, you're given this, the soul winner's crown. Uh, and number five, it's the crown of glory. And, and this is people who invest God's word into others when, when you start to become a discipler yourself, and invest the word of God into others. Um, so man, I think about eternity, and, and I get there, and like, have you guys ever been to a, a birthday party and like, like didn't bring a gift? Don't you feel like a turd when that happens? Like don't you feel like miserable? Like man, I'm such a thinking turd. Like I don't want to feel like that when I get to heaven. <laughs> That's the party I want to have a gift for. You know what I'm saying? We, we should live our lives now and die to ourselves so we can have we can have those crowns to give to God. Um, I think this is a good verse. Revelation 3.21. It says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit down with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat set down with my father in his throne. So I, I think this is cool. This is a reward that's given only to the people in the church of Laodicea, the church age of Laodicea, which is the church age that's right now Okay, it's only given to the church age of Laodicea only if you overcome the temptations of this age. Okay, so think about this opportunity that we get. Uh, we are one of seven dispensations, time periods in the Bible. And we are one of seven of the church ages in the Bible. So really, we are, there's only uh, one out of 14 uh, groups of people in history have this opportunity to sit down with God in his throne for all of eternity. We have that opportunity. But God says we have to overcome this world right now. So you overcome with the, the temptations of the world and you get to be with the Lord in his throne. That's cool, man. I want to be there. So, so you get the earthly fruit. You get the eternal fruit with the crowns. But, but this is the greatest reward. reward. And, and this is number three. You get the reward of God. You die to yourself and you have a thriving relationship with the God of the universe. <laughs> that's the coolest thing in the world. Genesis 15.1 says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. Man, God is the reward, dude. Um, <laughs> I, I was up in Cleveland. This, we want st- to start a Bible study in Cleveland. We're, we're trying to do that. And, like, I think the Lord wanted me there. And it felt like I was just, like, the Lord was, like, uh, in my passenger seat of my, my truck. And, like, we're just driving around. I'm just, I'm just singing Hillsong so- songs in the hood, bro. <laughs> because I think God wants us in Cleveland starting a Bible study. And, like, it just felt like I was so connected and close with God. Man, I, I don't want to trade that for anything. You die to yourself and start living for the Lord, you, you get the, the Lord as a reward. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about a true relationship with God not just knowing about the things of God, but knowing God personally. John 16, 12, this, this is another verse that scares me. Uh, Christ says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. I don't, I don't want to live a selfish life and, and God, not, God have things for me that I miss out on because I was selfish. Okay, so there's no greater reward than just getting to know God. Just to know the person of God. And, and think about that. God wants to have a relationship with me. It, it's one of his greatest desires. And um, I don't know if you guys ever read through the, the book of um, Song of Solomon. It's the sex book in the Bible. Can we say that here? Um, that's why it's mostly famous. But, but the thing that God, it's a picture. It's a picture of Solomon and the Shulamite woman. And it's a picture of God in the church and how much God loves the church Read through read through it. It's really cool. So, Song of Solomon 2, 6 says, His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. Man, God is, is a sure reward. It's just cool. When you walk with the Lord, you feel that close to God. Okay, this is the last thing. Thank you guys for bearing with me. I'm sure I'm I'm a young preacher, so you know, I don't have it all down. <laughs> um y- you know, uh Bert Butlett said something to this to me this week that. I just can't get it out of my head, dude. It's, it's got me thinking. It's kept me all up all night the past couple weeks, and, and I'm, I'm gonna plagiarize it. He said it in a sermon, but it stuck with me, so it had to come from the Holy Spirit, so I want to stick with you guys, too. So uh, let me ask you guys a question. Um, you, th- you think God likes people more than other people? Like, I, like I'm serious. Like, I know, I know God loves everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like, he loves everyone. He promised that. He said, uh, "God so loved the world, He loves everyone." But you think God like likes some people more than others, like actually likes them? You know what I mean? Like, like surely uh, you love everyone in your church, but let's not be too spiritual here. You know what I'm saying? You're avoiding some people on Sunday. <laughs> you know, I'm not inviting everyone over to my house from church. Maybe I'm carnal. But do you think God likes some people more than others? You know, surely surely throughout the Bible, God has favorites, right? So think about John. There was the 12, then there was the 3, then there was John. John, John. He liked John. Think about Moses. He liked Moses. Think about Enoch. E- Enoch got to be raptured and go home with Christ, didn't even die. God liked him. He obviously had a special relationship with those dudes. God not only loved those guys, he, he liked those guys. And I don't know about you, you people, but I want God to like me, <laughs> I want God not only to love me, I want him to like me. So, so I started asking myself, you know, what do I got to do to make God like me? What, do, what, do I gotta, what strings do I got to pull to make God like me? And, and I started asking myself, you know, why do I like the people that I like in my life? And, and I thought, um, man, I, you know why I like Oakley? Uh, you're a good guy, dude. Uh, I like Oakley because Oakley will just come over to my house and pray with me at 530 in the morning because I'm struggling with temptation. He did that for 40 days for me, man. I love that, dude. I, I like you, bro. I, I, I even more than love you. I like you, dude. You know why I like Zach? Because I can call Zach at any hour of the day, and he'll come over and watch Steve Brule videos with me for hours, dude. Like, I can call him at, like, midnight, and he'll come over and watch YouTube videos with me for, like, hours. I love, I like Zach. <laughs> you know why I like Rachel. Uh, I like Rachel because she's, she's down to kick it with the boys, <laughs> always. She's down to hang out. I, li- I like Wyatt because Wyatt will come over and play FIFA with me at 1.30 in the morning. It's a good brother. I-, I like Marisa because Marisa made me soup when my tonsils were out and just came over and asked me how I was doing, and I couldn't even talk back to her. Like, I like Marisa. I like, I like Preston <laughs> because Preston just wants to play board games with me till like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> like, I, I like Preston. Yeah, I just like, I like Preston. So, so I like people because, because they've, they've died to themselves. They've sacrificed their life to spend time with me and have a better relationship with me. That's why I like people. And, and I know God loves everyone, but, but I think the reason why God liked John is because his head was on his heart. And I think that, that God liked Moses because... He spoke to God as a friend, face to face. And I think that, that God liked Enoch because the testimony of Enoch was that he pleased God and that he walked with God. God loves everyone, but, but he liked those that, that died to themselves just to spend time with them. I want God to like me. And, and you know what else, Brett? This is the last thing. I'm sorry, dude. Thank you, guys. You know what else Brett said to me that kept me all up, up all night was the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, so, so picture this. I'm always thinking about eternity. And, you know, we get, we get raptured out of here or we die or whatever, and we're at, the, we're at the moment of the judgment seat of Christ, right? So we get torpedoed out of here. And then, and then there's the, this is cool, man. A, a good Bible study will leave you with more questions than you came with. And then we go through the crystal sea in the third heaven, and the, the sheep gate opens up, and we're with God in heaven. And there's the every believer, every person that, that knows God from from the beginning of Adam to to the rapture of the church. So I'm standing there, and there's thinking Oakley and Wyatt and Zach on one side, and there's Adam and Noah and like Moses on my other side, and we're and it's every believer. There's just a multitude, and then we we look out, and then there's these this sea of coals that's separating us from the throne of God, and then there's these uh, you know God's throne with the two cherubims Isaiah says with their wings touching, and and then there's cherubim and there's seraphim and cherubs flying around zipping around all around the throne. And they've got like five faces and like huge wings but like arms like that are human arms. Crazy, right? And then and then it says there's furnaces that are shaking the whole place. This is the judgment seat of Christ, right? And and then there's God and he's sitting on this throne. And it, and it says that when he speaks he creates things. What does that mean? And then it says he's got this white flowing hair and eyes of fire. And, and he's looking out. It says that it'll be a terrible day. That's what Paul says. It'll be a terrible day. And he's looking through the whole crowd. Okay, he's looking at everyone. He's starting here and looking over. And for some Christians that, that didn't live a, a dead life for God, he's looking through their soul and said, why'd you waste your time? And, and how cool would it be if he, with them flaming eyes and that white hair, and he's just looking through the crowd. And he stops at me. And he smiles. And he winks. And he says, I like you. <laughs> You've already spent time with me. You dedicated your whole life to dying so you could spend time with me. Let me, let me take care of these other losers and then we'll, we'll hang out. Because that's what you wanted to do all along. Man, I wouldn't trade any sin for that. I wouldn't trade this whole life a sin. For that one moment where God says, man, I like you. (laughs) What a a beautiful thought, man. Let's live our lives dead to God for eternity. Let's stop thinking of stupid stuff here. Let's win souls, make disciples, be a disciple ourselves. So when we get to eternity, we can have those, those rewards. God likes those that died to themselves. Psalms 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So, so I think we've missed a crucial point in this Christian life. The dying art of Christianity is the art of dying. Have you ever visited the Garden of Gethsemane? When was the last time you told the Lord, not my will but thine be done? Because until you learn to die to yourself, until you learn to choose God's will over your urges, you'll stay stuck in that same cycle of sin and monotonous boring life with no joy and no fruit. If nothing changes, nothing changes. But if we will once and for all decide to die to ourselves and bear our cross and be a true disciple of God, man, there's incredible rewards, both in this life and in the next. No sin in this life is valuable enough to rob us of that fruit. God only uses dead Christians. So you will never be used by God in the magnitude that he has promised until you forsake all the plans you have for yourself, die, and make Jesus the true Lord of your life. Let's decide tonight, as the well, once and for all, that we're not going to be mere believers of Jesus Christ. Let all the other churches be mere believers, bro, for the benefits of God, not, not First Baptist. Let's make the transition of growth from, from a mere believer to a true disciple and actually get on the cross. So will you die to your urges? Will you die to your flesh? Will you die to your future? Will you give up everything to be a disciple of God? Let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your mercy. God, thank you so much for your grace. Um, Lord, thank you so much for, for these people's patience and, and letting me go um, over in time. But, but I do think that this is a message that we need to hear. Um, God, if we could only die to ourselves. Lord, there's so much reward. God, you, you know, Satan, Satan, wants to, Satan wants to fool us, man. He's a, he wants us to have everything right now, and it's not good for us. Uh, Satan's a microwave, Lord, and, and you're a crockpot. <laughs> we, we gotta wait for things, Lord, and if we would just die to ourselves, there's, there's so much reward. So Lord, I pray, if, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, that has a part of their life that you're asking them, Lord, and, and you're a gentleman, you're asking them to give that up. Man, I, I pray that tonight would be a stake in the ground and they would say, I'm, I'm giving up everything. I'm, I'm giving up all to follow Christ. I want to be a true disciple and, and not a mere believer. You gave up all for us, Lord, and, and you deserve the same. God, use the well to be fruitful. Lord, use, use the well to win souls. God, use the well to, to bring you glory, uh, both both here and eternity. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Uh, we're, we're grateful for the cross. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.